welcome to the Wahini Collective podcast. And today is all about mental health. And it is one of my favorite subjects because of my background and my studies and uh, my daytime job. I love just the field of mental health. So yeah, I want to end, you know, the episode or the uh, month of uh, February with an episode in, um, I guess, with conversations about mental health. And today um, we have two wonderful speakers from Mental Health America of Hawaii. And one of them is located, Amanda Martinez is located here in Hawaii, Oahu, Hawaii, Honolulu, for those people that are listening in different parts of the world, they are different islands. And we have a second guest, Danielle Bergen from Maui, which is also my favorite island. They're all beautiful, by the way, islands of Hawaii, but Maui is one of my favorite islands. So we are just going to have great conversations and wonderful topic that, you know, if you feel uh, some of these questions uh, or you may have some questions, listeners that are not answered, you definitely can reach out to us because this is Um, It can be a serious topic, you know, but we're not going to get into anything where may trigger you or anything. So this is just a conversation about self-care, mental health. And um, yeah, so I'm Aries. This is my last episode for February and but it will be released in March. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the month of February and uh, with everything what's going on. Um, I believe this is important that we can start our icebreaker with a question of uh, your self-care routine. So, you know, the world is changing again, and there are things that you may hear or listen to or see on TV, uh, if anyone still watch TV or maybe listen to podcasts that kind of like trigger you and kind of create anxiety. And so I just want to, you know, find out from what you guys do for your self-care routine. Maybe we can start with you, Amanda. Sure, thank you, Aries. Um, My self-care routine, I feel like it kind of changes all the time depending on where I'm at and and what I'm doing. But a really big part of it is identifying the things that that work for me personally when I'm in different places. Um, So off the top of my head, music is a really big one for me. Uh, just being able to listen to different types of music and and um, I think music has a really creative way of influencing our moods and our emotions too. Uh, at least for me personally, it really speaks to me. So I'm able to kind of um, influence how I'm feeling and, and get myself to a certain place a little easier when I have music on my side. Um, I also have a hard time sometimes finding words to explain what I'm thinking and feeling so music also helps with that too when I can find songs with with lyrics that that are really meaningful um, that I can connect with as well uh, so music is kind of a constant one in my self-care routine another really big one that's, that's come up over the past like year or so is actually taking a break from social media uh, taking a step back um, has been extremely helpful for my mental health um, and it wasn't easy at first because we're so connected to our our devices and especially with how the world has been over the past couple of years it was like our way to um, feel like we were connected right to our friends and our family and to the outside world even but it really started having a negative impact 
on my mental health. So it was a time to kind of self-reflect and, and think about taking a step back, which again, wasn't easy at first. I had to like hide apps for myself and like delete them and uninstall them. So it was a process, but after a while, it was actually really, um, really beneficial. And now I still am not really on social media and I'm okay with it. So it's been really helpful for my mental health. Those are the oh. two biggest ones I can think of. Thank you. Those are important things. Thanks for sharing. And what about you, Danielle? I hope that you're not uh, too out of the social media world, or are you? <laughs> uh, thank you, Aries. Thanks for having us here today. Um, actually, I'm I'm probably more involved in social media than Amanda is. Uh, I uh, I do have a Facebook page that I check uh, every other every now and then, and I enjoy the connections it's given me with family and friends, uh, you know, being a member of the boomer generation. Uh, you know, I have uh, come to Mental Health America of Hawaii, uh, and I, I really, I, you know, I think I was lucky that I had a self-care plan already intact that I was using and utilizing even when the pandemic started. Uh, I'm one of those people that likes to get up early in the morning. So, um, I generally wake up uh, about 4.30 every day. Uh, I get, get about seven hours of sleep, which is my body's scheduled for that. So that's a huge part of my self-care to even start with. But I always take the time in the morning to just uh, rest and get connected. I might see the news a little bit. Um, I might just check, uh, you know, on my family in New York and see how they're doing or friends. And uh, then I, you know, after about an hour, I go out uh, for about a half hour to 45 minute walk every day. And I usually watch the sun come up. And for me, what happens is I get to combine the quiet of the morning uh, because there's generally no sounds at that point. Towards the summer, the birds are starting to chirp. Uh, but usually it's that silence, embracing that silence, almost hearing my footsteps, being able to just as if I'm just listening to silence and I get in a rhythm with the walk. It's really peaceful. It's really spiritual. It's, I, I really um, love my spiritual connections that I have with the world in that manner. And towards the end of the, the walk, I usually get to watch the, the sunrise or maybe uh, once a month, I'm watching the moon set over the ocean because I'm lucky I can walk right down to the ocean in about five minutes and just walk along there and uh, being able to see Molokai and Lanai uh, right from there. So I am truly blessed in that way. Uh, that's probably the primary thing that I do for self-care. But the, the next thing I think I try to incorporate and in pretty much every day is uh, I'll hit my garden with water before I leave in the morning, but I can spend time in there in the afternoon. So I'll go out and I'll check, I'll do a little weeding. And, um, you know, this time of year is exciting because all the new plants are coming up from the the winter garden. Right now I have arugula and tomato plants and all kinds of spices and lettuce. And I just planted yesterday uh, some kale and some cucumbers and some zucchini. So you can see I get excited over the simplest things, but gosh, it's just so calming and so centering. So that's, that's my routine. Well, Danielle and Amanda, both of you have great self-care routine that maybe some of us are doing it already. Uh, but I think the main thing in self-care, uh, I believe, is to maintain it, right? So 
Um, not just to write, okay, here's what I have to do weekly, but I, I you have to incorporate within your schedule, um, you know, when do you listen to the music and how long will you not be on social media, for example. I think it's important to have the schedules like sunrise. I love that because it's like, obviously you have to hit a certain time to walk before the sun goes up. There's that sort of time, um, again, kind of manages, but time management actually reduce stress. So personally, I love just to do a quick routine, like workout. That's my self-care routine. I, a quick one means like 20 minutes. And now with so many apps, thank you to at least those uh, new apps that's out there. Um, it's so easy to just do a quick workout in between Zoom calls or meetings. Um, I like to do that in, in oxygen, right? It's probably what it is. When your blood flows, you feel better and you get the oxygen to your brain. So thank you for sharing. And definitely we um, appreciate what mental health of America in Hawaii are doing. Person, I've been following you guys and trying to find out how we can get some training for our own organization. But yeah, tell us a little bit what Mental Health of America in Hawaii, the organization, what does it provide? So yeah, Amanda. Uh, so our, our organization has been around in Hawaii for quite a while. I think since like 1942, somewhere around there. Um, so we've been uh, uh, pretty big in the community in, in raising awareness about mental health, um, getting different kind of programs and services started, which then have branched out into their own separate um, sustainable programs as well. Um, but we typically work in a couple different areas. Our mission is to promote mental wellness through education, advocacy, and access to services. So um, for example, like raising awareness and, and working with the legislator, legislature in um, uh, increasing access to mental health services and why that's important and why we need different policies in place to help support that process, um, to help support the community in general. Education is, I think, where at least I spend most of my time, I know Danielle spends a lot of her time as well, is offering trainings to the community, um, anyone who is interested in learning more about mental health and not necessarily to become like a mental health professional, like a therapist or a counselor, but just as an everyday person looking to um, either support themselves or, or to support a loved one. Like, what does that look like? You know, what are the things that I should be looking out for? What kind of resources are out there? How do I even start having a conversation like that? Um, and then access to services. We don't provide any kind of direct services through our organizations. So we don't provide like counseling or therapy per se. But we try to help connect people to those resources. So we offer like a finding help a warm phone line um, where people can call into our office. Usually someone is available Monday through Friday during those quote unquote normal business hours where they can ask questions about um, different kind of programs and services that are available in the community. And over the past, I think it's been a while now, we've been compiling a list of different kind of human services, social services. So we have a whole directory which you can find on our website. And the cool thing I really like about that is that it is separated by island. So you are able to find a resource or a service that is in that person's location. That's when Danielle comes to like her area, which is Maui. Is that right, Danielle? That's correct, Aries. Yes. And Amanda couldn't have said everything better that, that we do. Uh, 
you know, and being on Maui, I just try to really replicate and do what the agency's mission statement is, uh, you know, do that outreach to Maui. We're part of so many different uh, coalitions uh, that we work with, such as the Hoya Kaika Partnership, uh, you know, the Maui Homeless Alliance, the Maui Nonprofit Directors, uh, you know, the Children's Community Council. We're involved with many of them. And uh, I've been lucky enough to, uh, to be able to uh, learn how to do all the trainings that we have. I've been trained uh, through some national certifications, which Amanda, myself, and uh, Dr. Goss are as national instructors for mental health first aid and youth mental health first aid. Uh, we do this for our community as well. Uh, and then also getting into the schools is a really kind of exciting thing for me. Both Amanda and I are usually very busy, uh, you know, in the spring and the fall semesters uh, doing that outreach. In fact, uh, Thursday, I was just in a, a middle school uh, for three classes uh, on Thursday and three classes on Friday. And we were teaching a course called Self-Care for Youth. So, so important to be able to help at that early age, you know, to just get those ideas of self-care and taking care of yourself and breaking any stigma that might be out there. Uh, we really try to impress them about, you know, the fact that asking for help is a sign of strength and not weakness. And we've had a great relationship with the schools we've been building since 2017. And, you know, I usually reach out in the past, I've reached out to a lot of schools to see where we can come in. Pretty much now they're calling us and they're saying, Danielle, do you have time to come in now? Do you have time to come in now? And, uh, and that's the wonderful thing about, I think what we've done in the last five years, at least since I've been with the agency is we've really increased our outreach. We've done so much during the pandemic. Uh, you know, thank you for Dr. G Dr. Goss's, uh, our program director's expertise. Uh, we have so many different self-care trainings for adults and for youth. Uh, it's, it's really a powerful thing of trying to spread that message um, of, taking care of yourself and knowing if you can do the very basics, learn the very basics about mental health, how better off your life is going to be uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. That is so true. And I, it seems like we were talking earlier about generational, you know, generationally, maybe uh, people who are my age, um, I'm not, I'm not that old, no, just kidding, but I'm at that age of, Mental health, taking care of myself means like, oh, you are selfish. So you're just, you know, taking time to yourself. You're not taking care of the kupuna or uh, anyone else in your community. But it's actually, I want to break that stigma. Like it is not selfish to go out and get a massage and to go out and do yoga or, you know, do a quick workout before you cook dinner, you know. So, uh, but it's just, I love that. I love the fact that we can talk about it from middle school, like you guys teaching that uh, mental health uh, course for middle school in self-care. And it's so like, I want that to be a mindset of people as early as middle school. That's awesome. So just curious, what is one thing that you, you do when you do outreach with the middle school? What is the one thing that's so popular that the kids will actually do? do it as a self-care, do you think? Like something that they will do or stick with them? Um, 
the one thing I do is so we usually give them eight different ideas okay. to okay. do. Um, the importance of connection, connection. Uh, getting okay. enough sleep. But I think the connection part is something that uh, they really, you know, since we've been doing most trainings virtually, uh, mm-hmm. we're gauging how they're doing by, they chime in on the chat. And we, I can tell when they're really engaged because that chat just blows up. It really does. And it just gets, you know, when we talk about connecting with different people, things that you can do, we give various examples. And then they start going off on ways that they can do it. Uh, That's one that does get them uh, very excited. And and we kind of have a a, a eating well challenge. So we talk about eating well and they get some, I mean, especially middle schoolers are a little bit lost there because they may not have had it covered, but, you know, they have fun at guessing all the all the right answers. And I, I think the engagement part to me is, is if we can reach them to engage them um, and get their brains going, uh, that seems to be the, the, the biggest key for me. I don't know, what, what do you think, Amanda? I would say those are a couple of big ones. The connection piece, definitely. Um, I think a lot of different things pop up with our training since we're kind of guiding them through what self-care actually looks like they don't even realize that they are doing things to practice self-care um but it is you know so it's like really identifying like connecting with other people watching funny tiktok videos sending them to a friend sometimes right playing video games reading a good book getting outside and and breathing in fresh air or even just remembering to take a moment to, to actually breathe and pause and take that breath so um, I think in, over the course of, of our self-care for youth training, specifically a lot of really great, um, uh, I think epiphanies pop up for, for our students who are like, oh, like this is so easy. This is something I can do like every day. And, and that's what we want for them, right? To be able to empower them at a younger age so that those skills can only grow and develop as they do right? and hopefully set them up to continue uh, navigating life as they grow older. Yes, what a great prevention. So, um, and now I think we have some listeners too that are um, have asked questions and some of the questions I'm just gonna throw out. The first one is, uh, you mentioned Amanda earlier about if, you know, there is a phone number and now you can reach out to maybe call when doing office hours and uh, find out whatever that you need to ask. So that's important if you can, you know, definitely share with us the phone number and definitely it's on your website and please share on your website or your website address. But if you call that number, can they actually ask about finding a therapist or, for example, is that one of the questions you can ask? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of, I think, the the common questions we've been getting um, is how how can I find a therapist? How can I connect with services or like I'm looking for counseling and And like I mentioned before, we don't provide those kind of direct services. Um, So instead, we give them different kind of starting places of what they're maybe looking for um, based off of maybe what's going on. So we like to, you know, ask just a couple questions to see what is happening and what may be the best fit. Um, When they call our office, um, we're always able to help do our best to answer as many questions as we can. I always recommend um, if you have insurance to call your insurance provider just to see what services are covered, which providers are covered and who's accepting new patients and really get that referral through them. 
Um, I know a lot of workplaces have EAP, like uh, employee assistance programs, um, that could be a starting point as well in, in connecting with a mental health professional. There's really great websites out there too, um, like the Psychology Today website or Hawaii Psychology Association, uh, where you're able to browse through different kind of psychologists or even psychiatrists sometimes um, and looking through which specialize in, in specific areas or maybe specific age groups, what, who uh, takes which insurance, who's accepting new patients. Um, so those are kind of the three big starting points I like to give as well. Um, in addition to referring or not referring necessarily, but letting them know that there's a lot of really great community-based resources through our community health centers offer a lot of mental health support and services as well. So we like to just drop those, those different starting points for someone who's looking for. Thank you for, you know, definitely sharing that. What is the website? Is it for Maui and Oahu, the same thing, Danielle? What is yes, it is. It's a, yes, Aries. It's the exact same website. It's www.mentalhealthhawaii and it's all spelled out.org. And, uh, you know, we have a really great page called our Get Connected page where we provide a lot of their community resources, especially during COVID, um, a list of all our trainings that are available during uh, the month that we're having, uh, and a lot of different tools and resources. You can also access that Finding Help Guide that Amanda was speaking about, uh, which is which we just recently updated. Uh, and so you can actually download it from the website to be able to utilize it. One of the things uh, for those folks who are listening in on Maui or any of the neighbor islands, uh, there is something called rural health care right now. And this has been fully funded through 2023. And we have a, a part where on our Get Connected page, uh, where you can actually get online telepsych for no cost at all. And I often refer people to this, especially with, I notice that a lot of the therapists, a lot of the folks that I talk to on Maui these days, you know, because if the pandemic has done anything that's positive, it's caused people to realize they need that, that, that actual extra help, maybe in their mental wellness and their mental health. So sometimes there's just not that many appointments that are available these days. You know, we have a lack of uh, the resources that Oahu might have. So I might direct them to uh, that part of the website. And it's a combination of a partnership with uh, Hawaii uh, UH Telepsych. Uh, and it's part of the Hawaii Rural Health Association. So you can actually call this number. It's 800-375-2745. That's 800-375-2745 to call and get an appointment. There's also a link directly that you can go to. But as I said, this is great because you don't, you know, especially for the folks that call, sometimes they don't have insurance. And this is a really excellent option for them. And I know that many of the places, that's all they were doing during the pandemic. I think it's getting ready to change to back in person. But the fact that this is still fully funded for almost two years is just fabulous for all the neighbor islands. Oh, wow. What a great uh, information you just shared. It's definitely still needed, um, even though we're coming out of the pandemic. I think we're still experiencing some mental health issues. Um, and it's good to know the resources that you give. One of the other questions, and this is 
probably, you know, each of us are going to answer this differently because, but how does your organization um, help people with their personal struggles? Um, Is that something that you guys do when you do outreach or? I'll start, Amanda. Um, You know, as Amanda mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we have varying different degrees um, that, you know, of of our staff. Uh, We do have one, our program director, Dr. Matisse Goss, who is a a psychologist who is a doctor. Uh, But, you know, while Amanda, I think, has a master's in public health, I just have a bachelor's degree. But I also have a lot of experience in um, just being able to uh, listen to people. And if, if, if something that I've learned through my life, and maybe it's the fact that I'm a little older, or, uh, you know, the fact that uh, I think I've been taught through my life to be a good listener and to be empathetic. I think that's really important for people. Uh, so they can feel like they're heard. So when you call us, when you call our helpline, um, you know, if we're really busy, then it will just go to the answering machine. Uh, but um, part of the message is usually we will do our best to get back to you within 24 hours. And I always return the calls and I'll be able to talk to the folks. And I think a big thing is that they're sometimes worried about a family member or husband or wife, son or daughter. They don't know what to do. They're exasperated and you can tell in their voice and you need to honor that. We honor that. We honor their feelings. Um, We say it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. And we do our best to give them three or four options of places to call to get help. But we also encourage them to get help for themselves. And we, we partner and have partnered throughout the years with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And I always suggest to call NAMI because they have support groups for folks whose family members have a mental health condition. And I keep stressing to them the importance of being able to take care of yourself so you can help take care of your loved ones. And uh, that's such a key thing these days. And I think people really appreciate that they're um, getting a phone call back or they're knowing that we actually will care enough and listen to them enough and talk to them to make sure that, that when we leave that call, that they feel better about the information they've got and feel better about what we've talked about. Yes. I'm glad we, I love that word empathy, um, listening, active listening. And, um, you know, it's important as genera- generationally, again, you know, I-, I was brought up more like I'm not, I can't say anything. My parents always have, are the one who say everything. It's their way. And um, then I'm now my parents age where I'm like, I don't want to listen to you. I, I'm just going to tell you what to do. But I think it's good to have a conversation like this and listening to each other uh, and being there for each other, for your friends or your family members, and if you really need help, you know, definitely use the resources that are mentioned here in this conversation. Amanda, what what about you? What are your, uh, if you have any additional um, comments on how to deal with personal struggles? Definitely maybe different, obviously, right? From mental health to just stress, for example. I think um, just echoing all the things that Danielle said are, are really important in um, 
helping to manage maybe increasing levels of stress or anxiety. And that's how I kind of like to think about it is in being in different levels. And it's really identifying the different things that are going to work for us when we are in different places. So um, like making sure we are regularly finding the time to practice that self-care um, and do the things that, that make us happy or bring us joy or help us de-stress. And then when those maybe aren't quite as effective because we're feeling extra stressed out or extra anxious, um, really identifying specific coping skills or different tools that we can use to calm down our bodies because then it means our nervous systems have become activated. So like on a physiological level, we wanna do things to help just calm ourselves down. Um, identifying what your support plan looks like. And I think people's minds jump straight to like, well, those are only for folks who may be in a crisis, right? But really everyone needs a support plan and should be aware of what their support plan is, right? So who are those people that you talk to um, who you feel better after talking to them. And that's not necessarily having those deep, meaningful conversations. Like, absolutely know who those people are too, but just in general, talking to a friend who's like super funny and makes you laugh, right, can be a part of your support plan. Um, knowing who or, or knowing what just in general kind of gives your life meaning, right, and, and really identifying the things that, that help make you feel better, knowing that there is professional help out there, getting help is effective, it does work, and it does look differently for everyone. Um, so it's a very individualized journey, but it's absolutely an option. And there's a lot of ways to go about that. And then I think knowing what those, those crisis resources are as well, just in case someone ever does find themselves in a place needing that immediate um, extra help and support, knowing that those resources are available 24-7 too. Oh, 24-7. So I hope you guys hear that. and. Um... That's just a great opportunity for us not to be, don't be hesitant, just call and uh, they will give you, if they don't have the answers right away, they will give you the, the resources to find those answers. Um, and in the industry of nonprofit, I believe that we're also, we, we help a lot of people and there's this term called compassion fatigue. And I know some fellow uh, nonprofit colleagues that are just burning, burnt out are going through compassion fatigue. So if you have any, <laughs> maybe any recommendation, what do you do when you just, you know, feel like you just help other people too much <laughs> and you need some compassion to yourself? So Amanda, you want to just what do you do when you're just feeling, I'm having fatigue, I, I can't do this anymore. Or, you know, I hope you obviously you, you can still go and fo force yourself to do it. But if there are just people who can't do it anymore, what would you suggest? Yeah, I think that's a very, very important question to ask, because I know that there's a lot of folks who are right there in that place. Um, especially I think in the nonprofit world um, or in the mental health field who we are very kind of helper type of people, you know, we're very much putting other people before themselves. And, and over time that really does take a, a toll, you know, um, causing that burnout or that compassion fatigue. So as much as we preach and, and stress how important it is for others to practice self-care and identify coping skills and make sure that they're supporting and feeling supported by the people they have in their lives. I think it's just as important for, 
for people who are direct service providers, mental health professionals, or even just working in the in the nonprofit realm. Because I think Danielle did mention earlier is you how can we expect ourselves to take care of other people if we're not taking care of ourselves? Right? We want to be able to help and we want to be effective in doing that. And a really big part of that is actually taking the time um, to practice that self-care and make sure that we are supporting our, our own mental health. So we are able to continue on with, with what we're doing with our programs, with our services, um, to hopefully help combat that kind of compassion fatigue or, or that burnout feeling. I think that's a really important step. Um, we do have a training that we offer as a kind of self-care wellness training for direct service providers um, who may be feeling that kind of burnout or fatigue. So really stressing that importance of, of taking the time for yourself um, to put you in a better place to help support other people. That's great. Um, Danielle, I mean, Maui seems to be a place where people can be more compassionate to each other, or I feel like I can just go to Maui and go on vacation, but I bet Maui needs, it's, I mean, it has people that is compassion, going through compassion fatigue or, um, you know, or do you guys have maybe a different routine that you do so that you don't get fatigue? I feel like this is, you know, our islands are just so beautiful. So, mm -hmm. but yet we still go through struggles, even though we have this, beautiful scenery and people are kind to each other, but we still have struggles. And I'm pretty sure you go through compassion fatigue too, right? Um, yes, we do. And um, I think that that's been probably, you know, for those of us that work in the nonprofit area, you know, especially during the pandemic from the beginning of it, as we started going through it and then into the second year, um, you know, it's been a, you, you give, 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 and you're trying to do so much. You may be with an agency like ours that's trying to help on the mental health side, or maybe you're working uh, with the other agencies that are trying to get money out to people through the different programs to get enough people to get in there to be able to help pay their electric bills, their phone bills, trying to keep people in their homes. Uh, you're reaching out to so many people and you just don't think you're getting enough done. And uh, you can get into that pattern of sometimes beating yourself up a little bit, uh, you know, getting to that way of like, oh, I could have done more, I could have done enough. And I, one of the one of the better trainings towards the, the middle of the pandemic, I would say is towards as we got towards the end of 2020, and into 2021, uh, that we had come up with was called managing complex emotions in a complex world, utilizing self care and coping skills to address stress and anxiety. So on Maui, one of the first groups that we presented that to is the Maui nonprofit directors. And these are nonprofit directors from all different agencies. And we're going through it, and we're giving them the example of like, the psychological and the physiological examples of what stress does to us and how if we're put in a position of extreme stress like fight, fight, or freeze, that when that stress ends, we tend to just calm down naturally. What happens is our body and our brains start to revert back to how we were. However, with the pandemic stress, so many people were just getting those stressors going to them, trying to do so much, but at the end of the day, they weren't letting that go. 
which is how we started talking about self-care and coping skills, which Amanda mentioned before, and the importance of doing that. And I remember saying something in one of the trainings, and then after who, the woman who leads the Maui nonprofit directors, um, I had said something, you know, we stressed the importance of doing that self-care, taking care of yourself, take the time to do it because that compassion fatigue is real and you're feeling it. And you have to remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to keep refilling your cup. And that just stuck with her after that. And she started doing some work with her employees to ask them, what are you doing for self-care today? How are you helping yourselves? And, uh, and that's the way these things grow. Once we enlighten people, I think, uh, I think that that's something that they latch on to and realize that, that yeah, I, I, I can do this. I can do something to help me because self-care is not being selfish. Right. And I hope the leaders are also doing great role, role modeling to, you know, if they mention to their staff, please practice self-care, they're actually going to take that time doing self-care themselves. So I do believe, you know, giving, uh, just showing um, by role modeling is as impactful as, you know, receiving that resources, but also applying it, I think. Um, so I was recently uh, in a fundraiser called um, Embracing Hermana, and I noticed that was Mental Health of America, Hawaii uh, sponsored event. And Kimberly Basford, we actually had her last week as a guest in our last episode. And I realize uh, here in Hawaii specifically, there are different diverse Polynesians um, and Asians, and maybe we have this some sort of stigma uh, in different culture, of course, and it's harder to talk about mental health. And uh, maybe one gender over the other is harder versus, you know, uh, and one culture over the other, but I've noticed that now we're trying to break away that stigma uh, and want to, like, I love that word, enlightening people and encourage people to be able to express themselves and uh, feel safe. So is that part of what your organization do is to encourage and to bring confidence to different uh, culture, different gender to break that stigma and talk about uh, mental health. Maybe Amanda, you want to answer that? Sure. Um, I think it's definitely a, an important piece. Um, so we don't like necessarily specifically target, mm. uh, you know, like an individual community or group okay. per se, but it, with all of our educational trainings and when we're raising awareness or even just in general having conversations about mental health, I think that culture piece is, is something that should be running in the backs of all of our minds, right? It's so influential on how we view health, how we view mental health, how we make decisions regarding our mental health, um, how we access services, um, just really everything. So I think when you are having those conversations, those sometimes difficult and uncomfortable conversations, a really big part of it is kind of meeting people where they're at, right? And just being um, aware and, and sensitive to whatever that person's culture may be, whether it does have to do with race or ethnicity or gender identity or 
um, sexual orientation or a specific age group. I mean, culture could be a lot of different pieces um, and we could belong to different types of cultures, to different types of communities. So um, I think that that sense of empathy and that sense of connection is something that is a commonality and is really beneficial. So having that, that sense of compassion, being able to just sit there and listen, right? Actively listen to someone um, and let the other person tell us what is it that's gonna help? What is it that you need to help support you at this time? Um, and if there are different options that are available that maybe we can talk through that are gonna help work for you, then let's look, let's look for what those options are, what those resources are. Right. Yes, definitely with uh, the pandemic, it, it, it actually like magnify that there are some mental health, um, maybe important issues that need to be discussed or uh, shared in the community. So Danielle, what, what's your opinion on how to, especially I believe, you know, here personally, I, I think my husband and I, uh, we talk about certain things like, oh, what, why, why are you anxious? But we don't talk like, how do you talk about, you know, anxiety? <laughs> so um, don't talk about that. Like, it's now I'm anxious talking about anxiety. But how do you break that stigma of, uh, you know, talking and feeling comfortable about talking um, about mental health? That, you know, that has been a big challenge uh, for all communities, I think, uh, no matter where you're located. Uh, and, you know, I really work hard um, in the training set that I try to do on Maui and, and mirror exactly the same message that we're doing in all of our training set. And um, I tend to get a little bit and more enthused about when we talk to, especially like the youth, when we talk to them to the end of the, the like the self-care for youth training and the importance of reaching out to somebody else, no matter who it is, and that asking for help is a sign of strength and not weakness. I usually repeat that during, you know, almost any training that, that we're doing and telling them that, you know, when you think about it, if, if you had hurt yourself, if you broke your arm, you wouldn't try to put it in your cast yourself, right? You would call, call a doctor or if your car, if your parents' car stopped, the dad wouldn't try to fix it with these computers now and then you call a mechanic the same way if you feel like you're not understanding something or something's been bothering you and you're trying to figure it out yourself you don't have to do that you call someone and you get help try to equate it to just the normalcy of a situation um, we talk about in different trainings um you know building uh building capacity of you know letting yourself know that it's okay for that. Uh, one of the things I love is that sometimes when we talk about different generations, uh, we can look towards the fact that, yeah, maybe anyone who's under 40 might think it's easier if I text somebody than it is if I call somebody. There's the crisis text line, which is a beautiful thing to have. You text Aloha 741-741, somebody's going to text back. And they're going to ask you what's going on. And these are professionals and they're geared to make sure that you can have help. And I think that's the simplest thing to try and say, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay to ask for help. And that seems to translate to, I believe, culturally, um, you know, we really work to try and, 
you know, I speak about diversity and the fact that where we live in Hawaii, we have so many diverse cultures where we have, as Amanda was talking about, you know, our different groups, our LGBTQ plus kids, you know, uh, or even seniors, no matter who that is, um, you know, we have to honor that. We have to honor people's culture. We have to know that what might be something right for someone is not right for the other. So we have to respect that, that some cultures are patriarchal and maybe some are matriarchal. You know, cultural diversity is really an advantage. And to be able to go in and listen ourselves and be able to understand and then do our best to try and get that person in the right direction to get help, I think is so important. You know, having that honor and respect go a very, very long way with a lot of people. That is so true. So when you go to the website, mentalhealthhawaii.org, I've noticed you have this banner that says, no shame, get help. I love that. Uh, culturally, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> no shame and get help. That's such a great banner. And uh, also just the message is definitely today, self-care and get help, right? There are resources out there, for example, Mental Health of America Hawaii, and of course, many other resources. But you guys, thank you so much for getting out there and doing outreach and hopefully soon to be in person uh, because the community definitely needs um, resources, training from different level from kids to leaders maybe parents uh, also need some mental health training. I know a lot of parents who, you know, are just multitasking right now and they need to know what, what is it um, that they can get, get help from different community uh, in the, the environment of mental health. So I just love this conversation and, but we do have to kind of Hopefully, uh, you know, ask the last question is um, to share with us any success stories um, in the nonprofit world. Myself, we always have to be a good storyteller and share success stories. And that's my motivator to be in the field of where I am is because you see the fruit of the labor, right, that you've done and then you hear it and you're like okay this is my reward to hear the success story so please share with us any success story if you want to start Amanda yeah that's a really good question because I think that that sense of hope is so important and like what drives you what keeps you going what is something that you can look forward to is so important um especially I think in the nonprofit world and and the work that that everyone does. Um, I have like, I'm trying to think um, beyond kind of like individualized success stories, because um, I could think of just a couple of different ones. Um, but I think if how I want to answer that is kind of on a broader sense and, and just say, I think all of us are a little bit a part of, of a, success, a success story, um, especially with everything that has been happening and is currently happening in the world today. You know, everyone's mental health has been impacted. A lot of people's routines and schedules and, and, and lives were totally disrupted. And we found ourselves really scrambling to, 
find new routines, new schedules and, and ways to support ourselves. Um, so everyone's like wearing different hats. Um, and I know it may seem kind of small for me to just say it now, but sometimes we do have to accept and, and take a little pride in those small wins. Um, you know, those little daily wins as a daily practice. Like I woke up on time today, like I washed my hair today, the kids learned something new today. Um, you know, I had a moment to, to just breathe and, and live and be in the present moment and appreciate that, you know, practicing gratefulness or gratitude on a regular basis. I think those are all really, I say the word small, but I think they're actually really, really big pieces and it contributes to all of us being here today together. Um, and it's how we are all going to continue pushing forward together as well. So if I can broaden it out to like, we're all a success story and we will continue to be so um, with the help and support of of ourselves, our friends, our loved ones in the community at large, then that's how I'd like to, to answer if that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. We can have a general sort of answer to that, but also you said like something very simple, which is just being able to practice gratefulness. That's a, a success story. And just also looking at your website and how many people actually maybe get help from just hearing what you guys shared today, right? Just visit their website, get some information. Um, that to me is a success story if they actually um, practice self-care and get some resources from, from your organization. So Danielle, how long have you been with Mental Health of America Hawaii? Have you heard of any success stories that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, I, I've been with us since 2017. And um, I think on Maui, one of my favorite ones, and I usually I usually check back like Amanda, you know, I mean, we have a lot. I check back with different, you know, folks who we've done trainings for and did, you know, how did you feel about it? You know, can you feed, give us some feedback? But in a general sense, in a broad sense of the word, uh, in 2019, um, we had had uh, some funding from us at Mental Health America, and we partnered with uh, the State Suicide Prevention Task Force, along with the Eolaho Prevent Suicide Maui County Task Force, and we had a Save Your Life Day at um, uh, talking about the basics of suicide prevention, and we invited uh, five or six students from all the Maui County high schools to be able to come to the Cameron Center where my office, the J. Walter Cameron Center is. We have a large auditorium there. And we got together and we brought these five, six students. We did a few trainings. We did a training called Connect. We did our own youth suicide and bullying prevention training. You know, we made sure that we fed the kids in the morning a really good breakfast and a really good lunch. And then after lunch, we asked them to break off into different groups and to do whatever they thought or how they felt. You know, we had, you know, uh, poster paper, things of that nature, or, you know, they could go online or whatever they wanted to do. And it says, why want you guys to try and put together a public service announcement about suicide prevention? Well, they all did an amazing job. Uh, they pretty much stuck within their high schools, but a couple kids did break out. So we had some great things that came from this. Well, this year, what we decided to do is uh, Dr. Deborah Gabert, who's a big partner of ours and is now the co-chair of the State Suicide Prevention Task Force. We took those and we actually put those into posters. And each of those schools 
all that, it, you know, hard work they did. And we then took those posters and I contacted the, um, the Department of Education on Maui. And uh, one of the members of our task force, uh, the Maui task force who works for them, to, we took these posters, we had them printed up and she distributed them to every single school in Maui. So all these posters are in all the different schools in the Maui County School District. And I'm talking about Hana and Molokai and Lanai. And these are posters that the kids made themselves. And they're absolutely fantastic because they talk about the importance in their own words about getting help. A couple of them are in Hawaiian, which is really wonderful. Uh, the kids from Hana and Molokai were able to do that. And just really, really simple stuff. And something that, you know, uh, I think that once they realize, you know, they're in that, you know, they're having a hard time. And then they walk down that hallway in school and they see one of these posters, they see it in a classroom in the health class. So I think that's really powerful outreach that we're able to do for Maui County. Great job. That is powerful. I love when collaborations come together and the power of their own, um, you know, creativity and they see it in their eyes. It's such an empowering story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. I hope that you guys have a great rest of the day. Um, and I know there are the website we mentioned earlier, but you guys have an Instagram, uh, Live Naao, is that correct? How you pronounce that? And we'll share it in our Instagram feed, of course. And they have, in the Live Naao, it's about self-care. And of course, you have the main website, Mental Health of America Hawaii. And also they have their Instagram. So yeah, guys, if one thing you remember out of this whole talk, prevention is of men, you know, having mental health issues in the future is by practicing self-care now. And whatever the routine is, please maintain it. And this, this, you know, friends of ours today that come in and join us uh, from Mental Health of America Hawaii have shared many wonderful resources. I hope you guys check them out and um, just be joyful and be grateful and always live in aloha. Thank you so much, guys.